Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange Podcast. Stories by leaders for leaders to help you raise the bar on your own excellence to release the potential inside of you. Now, here's today's podcast. Greetings, it's Hugh Ballou. Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange. We're in almost to our seventh year of doing these interviews with really amazing people with great stories to tell. And I like that. I like the story. Um, I don't know if it's true or not. The quote from uh, composer conductor Ralph Vaughan Williams, the British composer conductor, who said, "See, music did not reveal all of its secrets to just one person." So we have people with varying knowledge and background and great wisdom to share. Today is no exception. We have Dr. Ira Kaufman who lives here in Lynchburg, Virginia with me. And so Ira, welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange and give people a little sense of who you are, just a few minutes of background about Ira Kaufman. Well, thank you, Hugh. Uh, I'm very appreciative and grateful for the opportunity to uh, share an hour with you and, and your colleagues. Uh, my background um, goes back about five decades. Uh, I was, um, attending Northwestern University, the Kellogg School there, and studied with uh, who is now the uh, father of modern marketing, Dr. Philip Kotler, published about 60 books on marketing and now has uh, ventured into uh, understanding about what's good for the common good and challenging traditional capitalism. But I, I studied with him and, and worked with him some 50 years ago and looking at uh, how we can translate business uh, principles uh, and concepts and techniques into, um, into a world which needed some change. And he wrote a book called Creating Social Change some 50 years ago, uh, which applied you know, uh, business and marketing techniques to the social sector. Um, I got my PhD and I did the first PhD in what's called social marketing, um, which was applying marketing, sec- marketing concepts to the nonprofit world of the National Safety Council on defensive driving. And then I began a, a journey of uh, living in England, um, traveling uh, some 40 countries around the world, and began working for uh, uh, Legacy International uh, and working with its founder and, and was very inspired by his values-driven uh, leadership approach and the work that I worked with him and the, the group at Legacy team at Legacy for about 20 years and trying to understand how to engage young people and young professionals uh, to implement this values-driven approach to create change in the world. And um, I evolved in that area and then uh, began looking at some of the current um, uh, technologies and how technology was affecting the world and wrote a book on digital marketing with values. Uh, it was the first book on digital marketing, it was you know, adopted in business schools around the world. But it was important because integrating strategy and tactics with values, it was taking a very, very different point of view. So this is common thread of values that, that have, you know, uh, in, you know, been embedded in, in who I am and, and what I work with. Uh, and, and then as, as things, as the book grew and I began to travel, I've traveled about 45 countries around the world and talking about digital transformation and leadership, um, I, I met a colleague of mine who became a colleague of mine about five years ago in Croatia, uh, Velimir Stutter. And Velimir was a professor at Zagreb University, one of the oldest universities in Europe. And Velimir was a specialist in leadership and innovation and a very Renaissance man had been in politics and worked on environmental issues and so forth, business consulting. So we began with the challenge of why is this world broken? We had this really deep-seated question why is this world broken? What's fractured in the world with all of the money we have and all of the materialism we have? Why is, it, why is there so much discord and problems and crises that are, that are growing? So we, we devoted <clears throat> the next year or so to begin looking at what was, what was the essential foundation of it. And going back to my work at Legacy and, I, and, and his work in, in, um, in looking at leadership, we began looking at values as the disintegration of values as being something that is central and core to what, where the problems were. 
And most people weren't looking at that. You, they just weren't looking at that. They, they talked a lot. They proclaimed a lot of things on their boardroom walls, as you know, and, and they wrote those in their brochures and they talked about caring and loving and, and all these wonderful things. But the reality is that they weren't living them. And therefore we have all these crises which evolve. So that's the, that's the undergirding. It's sort of an integration of, of, of business and marketing uh, with a, a care and concern for the globe and an understanding that a values-driven approach is integral to creating a sustainable future. But there's a convergence. What was the name of that first book you wrote 50 years ago? I wrote was called Creating Social Change. It was by a publisher called Colt Reinhardt and Winston, who is since deceased. <laughs> and it's not even, it's out of print. Um, but uh, I have, uh, you know, so this is a copy of it. <laughs> it's still ancient, but that's an old copy of it, you know, 50 years old. Wow, a lot of words in there, and yeah. and your your latest book comes out um, in the next day or two. We're recording this on the thirteenth of October, twenty twenty. You might be listening to this years later, but um, it, it's called Empower Us, and there's a cover behind you. It's on the interview page. If you're listening to this on Facebook, you can find interviews uh, for the nonprofit exchange on that URL: the t h e nonprofit exchange the nonprofitexchange.org, and you'll find uh, today's episode on the left um, with um, my, I, should I call you Professor Kaufman, or what should I call you? Just call me Ira. Fine. Ira, don't call you late for dinner. <laughs> so, um, and uh, you're connected with University of Lynchburg, somehow you're adjunct professor? Well, I, I, I taught at the University of Lynchburg for about six or so, six years. Okay. In the in the uh, school of management, school of business, and I taught leadership and digital marketing and uh, transformation, transform how do businesses have to uh, deal with their the question of transformation in their lives. Are you familiar with the book in the eighties by uh, I think it's James Alexander Burns, Transforming Leadership? No, that's one of the roots of uh, what I teach: transformational leadership. It's a, it's a. Uh, he wanted to transform our political system. I don't think enough people bought the book. So we want to make sure people buy Empower Us and people can find all about it at empowerus.world. That's a cool, we have lots of dots now, uh, empowerus.world. And there's a place on that, um, on that website uh, about the book. You just uh, click on the menu at the top and the book. So Ira, let's, let's, we got to, whole bunch of people that listen to this podcast that have a lot of good ideas. <laughs> so, but I think the ratio is that three out of a hundred actually do something about them. And I'm sure it's maybe half or less think about writing a book, but actually do it. So talk about a, a little bit about your motivation. Writing a book like this is hard work. So what was your motivation to actually start this and complete it? Well, uh, that's a that's a it's a very it's a really important question because um, the, the, it's not about the book; it's really about the journey, uh, the journey to uh, to make a significant change in the world and to really um, allow what's within all of us this this passion for uh, for goodness, for uh, sustainability, uh, for for, for change, for the positive, and for leaving a good legacy behind uh, to our future. I have two kids, a 16-year-old and an 18-year-old, um, and they're great leaders, uh, potential leaders, you know? And, and how do we, we give them what's necessary? Uh, so it's about giving back, too. Uh, I, I've been very grateful and fortunate in, in, in my work um, over the years, and um, to, to understand, uh, that this component called values uh, is really is really more an item of discussion than an item of action. And so uh, Bellamere and I did a really a, a look at all the world religions and looked at what was the essential ingredient to the attributes uh, that were that were important and what were common to them. And we looked at all of those things called values and attributes of, of a good person and a uh, people that really want to be uh, um, caring and merciful and understanding and compassionate in the world. 
And, and we distilled those into some values. And then we related these values to performance in organizations and how organizations can transform. And, and we came up with four values, uh, trust, empathy, sustainability, and transparency. And they related very clearly to what's happening in the world right now. And we call them the test values. So we made a little, little acronym. If you test these values in yourself and you test these values in an organization, you're gonna get a really good indication if you're honest and reflective and accountable to yourself, um, how well you're doing. So that was really inspiring because <clears throat> we realized that, um, that we need to have some, some tools which people could really understand in transformation. So the second tool we looked at is, we looked at what was our goal. Uh, and our goal was to create harmony in the world. Harmony is, is peace and understanding. I'm, I'm, I'm a 1960s kid where, you know, we all love, believe in love and peace and the flower children and all that kind of stuff. And, um, and, and we realized that, you know, harmony was a really good word because Bellamy was very uh, uh, akin to that, that, whole cult, that whole culture. But we realized that in the 60s, we had a lot of ideals. We had a lot of good ideals but we weren't translating them into, into impact and to something which was gonna create the kind of change which we feel is necessary and essential in the world to fix this broken world. So we realized we were gonna juxtapose two words, strategy and harmony, because you need strategy in terms of the technology and human-centered business practices with values to create the kind of harmony we're So we merged those together and we created this roadmap for creating strategic harmony. So that was what drove us, uh, understanding that values were at the core and how you have to translate those with kinds of strategies to empower people who are frustrated with the world, people who really care but don't know what to do, and, and people that uh, are in centers of power but are, either aren't courageous enough or haven't taken the next step to see that there is enough value in utilizing those values consistently throughout their organization and in their strategies and, and in the impact that they're creating. So that's the motivation. So when you're, um, thank you for that. Um, when you're writing a book, do you envision a person that you're writing to? Oh, yeah. Uh, we have gone through that being a marketing guy. So the first question the publisher asked, well, who's the target market? You know, so <laughs> the target market is, is you, is us, is the people that want a world which is more caring, more loving, more understanding, um, sustainable, and that will carry, allow us to carry forth those kinds of qualities. And there are so many people, we can call them change makers. We can call them human-centered business people. We can call them uh, head of nonprofits who have created these organizations because they want to change the world. We could look at the, the entire uh, world of spiritual leaders. Uh, we could look at um, students who are now screening. And, and I will tell you the people that we're really looking at is we call the rising voices. The rising voices are the next generation, the Gen Z and the millennials, the women of the world, is they're phenomenal change agents, and they come from a, a little bit different paradigm than us men, and the marginalized, the people of color, the immigrants, people of diverse genders. These people are screaming. They want to be heard. And for the most part, the leaders are not listening, or they're placating them. They want a seat at the table. They don't just want to be influencers. They really want a way to re, uh, reinvent a, a world which can be positive and grow, grow at a sustainable way. So those are the people I really look at. It's both progressive leaders and these rising voices. In your, um, on the website and for people that are just joining us, it's um, empowerus.world and there's a page for Q&A and in the part of, about motivation, you, you referred to what you talked about earlier, um, um, values are being proclaimed, placed on boardroom walls or websites, but not being lived and practices in their businesses or organizations. So the living, uh, the gap in our living and living those values 
is what was broken. So how did you address that gap specifically? And a little more about your co-author, please. You mentioned his name, but a little bit about your co-author. Okay. Well, well, Velimir Schurker um, is, uh, I, I would call him a Renaissance person. He served in the government of Croatia as, I think, a minister of foreign affairs. Um, he's, uh, a really an acclaimed leader. He's written about 60 books on leadership and innovation, both in English and Croatian. He's a PhD out of Columbia, taught at UCLA. He's traveled 40, 50 countries around the world. Um, and has a deep, he's a great storyteller, too. And he, He's, he has a great passion for um, loving and involving people and businesses. He, he does a, a, a lot of consultations in Europe uh, with, with executives. So that's really, um, that, that's a background on Bellamir. And, and that's where we harmonize together on, um, on how to bring these, this, this roadmap into, into a reality, to let it manifest in a real way. Um, in, in terms of, you know, how we, how we look at these values and how we address them. Um, we, we dove into a study, which is really a really important study by the Edelman Group it's called the Trust Barometer. It's been done over 20 years by a group in Washington, D.C., a public relations group. And they study 12 different markets around the world, executives, leaders, people of all different walks of life. And they look at, at the level of trust in four sectors. And trust is a really, really big word in our society right now, in our world right now. And the trust is, the trust barometer looks at the level of trust in nonprofits, businesses, media, and um, and uh, education. And they found that of these four sectors, um, the sector uh, which was most important uh, was business. And they found in the last five years, the level of trust in the Western countries was 65% of the people surveyed from all around the world believe that trust was very prominent in those four sectors. In the last year, it's gone down in the Western countries to less than 50%. So therefore, in those four sectors, there are more distrusters than there are trusted. That's a big statement. So how are we going to countervail that? Because this crisis in trust, and trust is one of the ingredients of what we call the test values. So we look at where trust was rooted <clears throat> and where the forces of trust were rooted. And they were rooted in power and love. And, and we, if we look at power, power is something that in this Western world <clears throat> is, <clears throat> is derived from fame, money, position, and control of information. Um, and of course, a powerful leader has to fulfill their own self-interest. Well, and that leads to greed and corruption, and that leads to fulfilling the needs of the stakeholder. <clears throat> Excuse me. That whole doctrine was initiated 50 years ago, and the anniversary was last week, by Professor Milton Friedman of Harvard University, which you were shaking your head because you know it. And Professor Friedman created this document, which has changed the world. And as a result of what's happened around the world, uh, he said that the social responsibility of business is to increase profits. Now, that's a major dictum. And business schools around the world have followed that dictum. Corporate boards have lived that lie or that questionable narrative. And we have created five pandemics around the world, COVID, economic struggles, uh, misinformation, um, uh, people are fearful and feel isolated, and we have the environmental and climate crisis. We have five major crises happening around the world, and leaders, and we get back to the question about leaders, why they should read this book and understand it, is they have no solutions, and you know that. They do not have the solutions. So then we looked at where the solutions lie. The solutions lie in love. We, we always want to, the first thing that we have in our heart is we want to be, we're attracted to other people. We want to love a, a person, our family. But we say, and love has been materialized. We want to love objects. We want to love the, the, uh, the sexuality of somebody. Uh, 
uh, women and men have been objectified in the world around love. But what is the real essence of love? The real essence of love is love of us, love of humanity, uh, love, of, love of understanding who we are, love of the common good. And so we looked at love as a transformative power and it has to be focused on the love of purpose and the love of values and how you can implement those. And that creates a new set of power. And we have a whole business model for looking at translating values as a source of power and transforming businesses, societies, and a level of adoption in the world of different ideas. You're getting revved up like some of the black Pentecostal preachers I've had as guests <laughs> here. So you need another drink of water there. Listen, when you deal with five years or something, you realize this might have a change and so you've got to get passionate about something. Yeah, I think you believe what you're writing. So actually you could probably trace some of this greed back to the, uh, the, the greed, the uh, competitive capitalist, the Rockefeller, Wanamaker, um, Rothschilds, um, you know, all those, those buddies that, and back to Ben Rhodes and his work in South Africa, you know, it, it, all this, there, it, it stems from, um, you know, sin as a corporate, a corporate thing, not, a, not only an individual thing. It's, you know, how do we do it? And I, I, we have responsible corporations, but they're few and far between. And the pivot here, Ira, the, the, the movement I'm championing is for those of us who are not in the for-profit world, but are running a for-purpose business and how we need to be active in influencing those people in business to look at the triple bottom line, people, planet, then profit. You know, there's, there, there's a, there's a triad there that's more responsible. So we're, we're talking to people um, who don't need to get pushed around anymore. People who are community leaders working in a, a 501 something, it's th three, six, 10. And we're actually doing, back to your word, love, philanthropy is the love of humankind. And so philanthropy in its, in its true form, which is not just money, it's, it's um, time, talent, and money. So it's the whole person. It's the whole person. So what, and we are, in fact, um, nonprofits and religious institutions, educational institutions are, in fact, a business. And I think learning to run the business, and we don't focus on the corporate greed, but we get lost in that big hole of the, the lie, nonprofit, which is a lie. So, you know, there's an opposite dynamic that's just as destructive as the greed side. So speak to the, the where nonprofit leaders in this, what we would call social benefit sector, where can we learn and step up and be influencers? Um, well, you've touched on a, a, a very special feeling that I have. I was the executive director of Legacy International for 20 years. Oh my! So um, I am extremely familiar with uh, the, the begging bowl mentality, um, and I've I've walked around the streets of New York and uh, Cairo and London and um, you know probably fifteen different countries, uh, asking for, for work for uh, for money and support of good work, um, and, and I think the model's backwards. Um, I think the model is totally backwards. I think that what is important in, in the world is to be able to set out who you are as a very clear brand. Businesses spend billions of dollars on branding. The uh, branding, all that is, is telling your why in, in a way which is uh, authentic, genuine, and clear. And it, what it does, it speaks to the needs of other people. Um, one of my, um, one of the uh, really progressive business leaders in the world, uh, Mark Benahoff of Salesforce, the CEO, he's, he's a, a, a man who went to India, uh, wanted to discover his spiritual roots, came back and created a seven, uh, the 17th largest Fortune 500 company. It's all values-based and human-centered. Mm -hmm. And he said, the important thing in my company is to discover how values create value. Jay Rash wrote an article in my book called The Value of Value. I think we really have to understand how we empower these values 
as, as part of our brand. Um, because that's what's distinguishing. That's what these business people need. They need, they need to see the value to them. What is the benefit to them? How do they communicate with Gen Z and the millennials now or these rising voices? They don't know how to do that because they don't have the tools. They still think of the leaders who want to support the new normal, which is the status quo. We say that leadership, the old form of leadership, has to be replaced by what we call as catalyzers. Catalyzers have their eye on one thing, transformation and change. If you look at every entrepreneur right now, they are laser focused on the future and how to use emerging technologies to change the world. Well, I believe that nonprofits have to be laser focused on providing value for the, their projects or their programs and how it's gonna affect their community, the world and their business. So I would just not challenge you, but suggest that you might wanna add a, a fourth P to the quadruple bottom line. You have planet, we have profit, and we have people. But I would add prosperity, because what most nonprofits are doing is adding to the prosperity of the community. They're helping young people. They're helping uh, food, food, uh, food, uh, food security issues. They're dealing with conflict resolution. They're dealing with community prosperity. They're dealing with empowering communities of diverse people of different colors and nationalities and so forth, immigrant populations. So the, the goal to me of, of, of a nonprofit has to be aligned about laser focused on how they create value for their target market. And the target markets for them, who's gonna, who's gonna support them? If it's the State Department or the World Bank, well, then you need to know how to speak to them. If it's a corporation, you need to be able to present what you're doing to them. And you need to present it in ways that they can relate to and they will, they will hang out on. You just can't send it out in the ether. So I think, you know, uh, stating your blog, creating a blog or a statement of who you are, just not preaching to those who, who love you, but preaching to those who need you and preaching to those who can make a change. And you have to figure it out. I mean, I spent hours, you hours, just when I was trying to get the people to write the forward to my book, researching who they were, what they talked about, what was important to them, what they valued, how I can connect with them. It's a study. It's real work. Um, and it, it takes that kind of targeting, because that's what businesses do. They pay people thousands of million dollars to hire an ad agency to do that. Well, nonprofits are very involved in thinking about how they can change the world but they need to think about how they can attract the support that's needed to change the world. Because so many nonprofit um, 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 executive directors like myself was a fundraiser. I, I didn't do much programmatic work, I did fundraising. And therefore all of it was about thinking how I can get money instead of attracting money. I was asking for money instead of giving them things. And I think that's where the essential need is. They have to really rethink and reinvent nonprofits to deliver purpose and value to those people that they want to affect. Ah, man, I'm all fired up. I'm ready to go shut the computer and go to work. Um, so um, spot on, spot on. Amen. Um, so I don't see the mandate for business as any different. I think we're in a for purpose business, a for profit, but I think there's there, there needs to be an alliance for a nonprofit leader and a business leader to embrace what you just spoke about because we attract revenue because we provide value. I don't care which side you're on. We, we attract revenue. Now we need to have extra revenue in both sides to invest in people to, you know, to do some improvement of our systems, to do some marketing. And, and some of the fundamental things you mentioned are really sound business principles. You've got to have a clear brand image a brand promise. It's not just a logo. So what do people say about you when you're not there? That's got to be spot on. And we need to be able to tell our stories about the impact of our work. So I appreciate that. Um, 20 years. Wow. We're going to hear from uh, Mr. Rash here in just a second, see if he has some questions to add. So um, your book fell off behind you, but we remember what it looks like. Empower us dot world. 
Um, while you're getting it, I'm going to do a quick commercial for Center Vision, uh, the community. Center Vision Leadership Foundation has a community, and it's a community for nonprofit leaders. It's a community where people share together, they learn together, and they become better at what they do, better at building boards, better at building high-performing cultures. Therefore, they attract more revenue because they are fund worthy. So you can find out about um, Center Vision's community. We call it a community for community builders. We, um, we're better together. So if you have a, a smartphone, you send a text to, um, to 64600. 64600 is where you send it. And you get the... And then in the message, you put LDR, really short for leader. The number is 64600, and you send the message LDR, and you get a link back, and you get this card. And on the card, you have all about the work of Center Vision and our community. Here is Join the Community. And by the way, Nonprofit Exchange, here is our Empower Us. From, from Strategic Crisis to Harmony, this is our our interview today and we're looking at ourselves there in the picture ira so i'm looking at me looking at the at the app on the app which is not a very interesting thing so center vision provides resources for nonprofit leaders and clergy and we're working on uh, opening the community again it's closed now we're adding some things and taking care of our current members but we'll be opening it and we're going to open it with partnerships with with business and nonprofit leaders because i think we can do a lot more working together in pursuing this, this um, harmony thing, being a, a musical conductor, I know a little bit about harmony. <laughs> and, you know, there's a whole bunch of people in orchestra that don't look alike. Their instruments don't look alike. They don't sound alike. They got different personalities. They even talk different languages in music. But we come together, we make this magnificent sound, a harmony of working together. So explore that, that harmony a little bit. What needs to, and you what I'm hearing you say is that we've inherited systems that are broken and we've learned things that aren't the way they ought to be. So how do we step up and take steps, active steps, besides getting the book, um, how do we take steps in creating this harmony where we are? I mean, you start where you live and then it, it, you influence others to influence others. So what's the starting point, Ira? Uh, I, I think the starting point is mutual purpose. Uh, we have to agree upon purpose for our why. And uh, I, I think that in many cases, um, we have to stop competing with each other and we have to really start collaborating with each other. And th there's a terminology now in, in the OD field, organization development field, called radical collaboration. Uh, radical because I think we have to go beyond our, quote, organizational egos, um, what we want, and we have to be more uh, us-centered than self-centered, even for a nonprofit. And um, to me, the future of the world is based upon collaboration. There is enough uh, creativity, resources, and passion and understanding in this world to get us on the right track. But one of the call to actions, which I'll talk about later in the book, is to create collaboration between uh, progressive leaders, both nonprofit and for-profit, those people that really understand the vision and the need for sustainability and are committed to it. But they have to work with these rising voices, the young entrepreneurs, the people, the younger people, the women, the marginalized, uh, who really have the passion to work together. And they just can't be just placated and say, well, we'll listen to you. and We hear what you have to say but they have to really be given a seat at the table and to really be able to collaborate, to co-create the future together. These are nice words, but they have to really be implemented uh, because you know it's very nice for leaders, nonprofit or for-profit, to tell the younger generation that what they should be doing. But what's the, what are they inheriting? It's, it's a horror. What is my 18-year-old inheriting? It's just unbelievable, uh, you know, huge, student debt, you know, they don't even know what the world tomorrow is going to look like in terms of ecology, uh, racial disparities, inequities around the world, people earning 
billions of dollars out of the pandemic, and there's no relief in the United States uh, for the people that are in need. Well, look at the scale, look at the screaming um, uh, surges of, of uh, the pandemic in Europe and what's gonna be happening in, in our country in the next three or four weeks in, in, as it gets colder. We don't have solutions to this. And we, it's all about collaboration and about, being, about trusting each other and finding ways to, to really find common value among us. And I think that's where we have to start. And we, people, most people have, have a, a, an open heart to these kinds of things. And you have to find where that, 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 that point of, of potential collaboration is. It's around values, around things people care about. It's about love of humanity, love of community, love of Lynchburg, love of the United States. That they, want, they want this to survive, love of, of the legacy for our future young people. If we start with that, then we could build on something. If we start on something partisan or something we want, then we're, we're, not, going to, we're not going to reach the goal, in my opinion. We're talking to Dr. Ira Kaufman today. And Ira Kaufman is about to release a book called Empower Us. We're on a podcast, but if you um, go onto the website, you'll see um, for the podcast or look at it, you'll see the cover of the book. That's blown up way beyond what it should be. The two authors um, in um, From Crisis to Strategic Harmony. It'll be released any day. If you want to be on the list, uh, pre-publication list, go to empowerus.world and click on the book tab. And you can um, put in put in a request there to be on the list to get it when it when it first comes true. So I think it's up to all of us, Ira. We we sometimes have people that do the BHAG goals, big 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 wild, lofty goals. But this is this is uh, tangible. We can do it if we all do it. And then we we learn to talk to each other, with each other, not at each other. We've we've come in um, we've come into a a world where we're just yelling at each other because we disagree with somebody. But you know, I have often found that in between two two points of of, of disagreement, there's sometimes a little element of truth that if people talk enough, they find oh, there's something we didn't discover. Now, one of the clients I had, um, you'll probably enjoy this, was uh, did competitions of choirs. They couldn't call it Olympics because obviously, but they called it the World Choir Games. And um, there were 400 to 450 choirs from 100 countries coming to compete in 28 categories until it came to America, which I enabled that to happen. It there was 30 because we had women and men barbershop. <laughs> it's indigenous to our culture. But there are 30 were different categories of music that we were competing against both in the, the classical genres and the folk genres. And it was amazing to me that people who had nothing in common, who in the real world, their, their, their leaders are fighting one another, came together and we had world peace because we came together with the excellence of our craft, which was music. And even though they were competing, they were cheering each other on. So I got to see this, which wasn't even a goal of World Choir Games. It was to promote excellence in music. And I got to tell you, I, I was going to be a musicologist, but I got saved. I was drafted and had time to think about it. <laughs> but I knew a lot about different kinds of music. I didn't know anything. I, I mean, I heard stuff I didn't believe existed. So for Americans to get outside, you travel a lot. We're going to get uh, Mr. Rash on here in a minute. So there's an education for all of us to learn about other people. So I'm going to, I want to see, would you entertain some questions from our guests on the line? Was I just want to say one, one thing, um, because the book is in a pre-publication being printed this week, for those who would like to pre-order it and be on the list, you should just click the contact, the contact button at the website, empowerus.world, and just send me a message and I will connect, connect with you, because the purchase button is not operational at this point. It'll be operating toward the end of the week. When the I'm sorry, I led people astray. So yes, put in the communication. Button, just send me a message with your with your email, and I will be happy to connect with you about that. So we have some people who aren't visible because this is a webinar format and an interview for you. So we have some people, um, uh, Mr. Rash and Mr. Hopkins, both have their mics open. Which one of you has a comment or a question, uh, Mr. Rash? You've been you've been here, and we've mentioned your name a number of times. So why don't you go first? Yeah, I paid him. 
too. You know, it's like it's, I have to tell you that it's uh, it's it costs it costs to get my name mentioned these days. Uh, uh, no, I mean, what can I comment? I've, I've been I've been blessed to be part of this uh, process uh, of Iris' work f uh, and working together with him for over for forty years, and I'm so grateful and proud of him for creating you know absorbing so much of what we've done together and putting it into the into this wonderful book which i actually have a pre-publication copy of in my hand which i can't show you because i'm not on video but and i've had the honor to write a little piece in there uh but i i i think that i think that always going back to the core values which is the basis of legacy international and, and the basis of what i, I was is been discussing with us today and in the book um I, i'd like him to just take a moment uh to step uh back because it's something we've been talking about he and i have been talking about which is uh what it means to transform the individual uh to bring the individual to a point where they can listen and where they can see what what he's presenting and where they can hear the methodologies and the, and the means to to transform things so we've been talking about you know transforming uh, well of course it's part of my work as you know you and we discussed it when i was on your podcast but transforming individuals um and if ira you can talk about that for a minute that would be really good value of listening and how to transform the individuals themselves well um to me, in the book, we present a two-stage two transformation process. One is the transformation of the individual, um, and one is the uh, then translate and then taking that transformation uh, externally to the organization, to the business model, the operations, and the impact. Uh, to us, we've spent a lot of time in the book, really looking at th th that transform that internal transformation. And it, it needs to begin with self-reflection, uh, self-reflection of the self, self-reflection of the organization, and reflection on what your policy is and how you're carrying that out in your externalities, in your branding, your messaging, and so forth. So when we look at that self-reflection process, and this has been uh, undergirded through the work at Legacy and, and my personal study, um, it, it is, it's very, very important to not only um, reflect, but the reflection has to include uh, an element of accounting for yourself, accounting for your, who you are, what you proclaim, and what you act on. There's a gap between that, between what we say. We're going to be trusting of another person, but we tr control all the information. We're going to be uh, forgiving somebody else, and then we retaliate against them. Um, we're going to be um, promote being generous and uh, we take more than we give. So we have to look at the gap between what we say we are and what we are. And at the same level, on the internal level, there's also an internal level of the organization. The organization has to look at what they proclaim to do, either for-profit or not-profit, and what they're actually doing. You know, you know that they, they say they're they're dealing with sustainability issues. And look at, look at the way they produce their products and look at the ingredients in that products. And is it destroying the, the, the earth? Is it, are they really thinking in a circular way or are they thinking in a, in a self-interest way? Then we have to look at, you know, um, from an internal point of view, if we're thinking about the self, us as an individual, um, or are we thinking about the greater humanity? You know, what, where is our intention at? And intention is a lot of part of this because intention creates action and it creates your, your beliefs. And we have found, and in the book we look about this a lot, and we all live with so many different myths. You know, it was the myth of, of Milton Friedman, which has changed the world and created the pollution that crisis is right now. We have his gift. I have a PhD in, 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 uh, in business management. It's all been structured out one thing, self-interest, not about human interest, not about who I am as an individual, not about what I care and love and my purpose in my life. So it begins with self, it begins with self-reflection, looking at the mirror, in the personal mirror, in the organizational mirror, and also in the mirror of what the direction that we project our organization in. 
That is core because you cannot do anything before you change yourself. You know, in every spiritual test, it or it says you cannot change your 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 you cannot change your community, you cannot change the world until you change yourself. So we begin with the beginning, which is on intention and values and our beliefs, and to really confront our myths. And then we translate that to a business model, to how we do our operations in our company, and to what kind of impact we get. And few, the most important part of this is that we must be harmonious in terms of what's inside us and what we live outside of us. Because the gap, that gap, is what creates the crisis. You know, Ira, in 32 years of working with leaders, I'm surprised at how few leaders can articulate core values either for their organization or for themselves and haven't so therefore they can't check on the alignment you know are you in alignment with the corporate values of the in your personal values and and so it's it's appalling to think that people don't even think that way so we've really and, and what you just articulated about transforming self you'll be happy to know that's the core of what we teach in leadership at center vision and from the work Burns and Bass, who, who created transformational leadership, um, it's about the culture of high-performing people focused on a common vision, which is value-driven. And then the work of uh, Murray Bowen, um, which is, I've spoken to you about the work of Murray Bowen. And in his work, he was a psychologist, um, said you can't, do, you can't change anybody. You can change yourself and other people will respond to you. So the, the, you echo those really well-established methodologies. And I think it's just what we have to do. I want to invite another famous author to comment. Um, I quoted him a minute ago about philanthropy. If you don't have this book, you should get philanthropy misunderstood. Uh, Professor Bob Hopkins is on here. And Bob, um, Ira talked a little before you got on about influencing the young generation. And Ira, Bob has done that for decades. And I've seen the results of, of his experience expanding the thinking of young minds who are really amazing. So Bob, you have comments or a question for our guest today? I do. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Oh, good, good, good. I'm Bob Hopkins. Listen, um, I've enjoyed hearing what you have to say. I want one of your books, Strategic Harmony, and I want two more to give to our senators. I'm listening of Texas. I'm listening right now to the um, hearings of um, Judge Barrett to the uh, <laughs> to the Supreme Court. And uh, what they need, of course, in our, in our House of Representatives and our Senate is strategic harmony. They need your book. I can't wait to get it. Uh, and like you said just a few minutes ago um, about your 18-year-old son, you know, what do you tell your 18-year-old son? Well, that's what I want to know what I should tell my students. I teach college. My students are 15 through 19 years old. And I'm sure they're at home most of the time scratching their head thinking, who, what, where, when, why? What is this going to do to me? What am I going to do? What's the transformational process? And I'm glad you mentioned transformation. You know, Hugh had an event not too long ago where one of his speakers, and I can't remember his name, Hugh, um, who talked about transformation. And those of us who end up on the other side mm -hmm. are the ones who have hope and are willing to go through the transformation process. Those who don't are going to be left behind. That was, uh, that was the Black Pentecostal preacher I referred to, uh, Kevin Williams, who yeah. is a high-level influencer, and he quoted Paul, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That was it, Bob. Right. Well, exactly. So anyway, I teach speech and communications, and I'm just starting my um, online class, actually, this week, uh, two or three of them. And um, I feel like my whole semester's got to be talking to these students about hope, um, you know, in communication. Um, because they hear so much if you listen to television. I almost want to say turn it off, but on the other hand, I want they learn so much history by listening to what's going on right now with Amy Klobuchar, and she's doing the questioning of, of Barrett and what she kind of a Supreme Court justice she's going to be. And I think our young people have to be involved in the political processes as well. But the governor of Guanajuato, Mexico, and I'm going there this week, said to me, Bob, we don't have the culture of giving. We don't have the culture of love of humanity, except we just do it. Nobody teaches us this, but we just do it. And then I thought, wouldn't it be fun if we'd actually taught somebody to do this and just amplif amplify it over and over and over again? And I guess that's why I work with the young people. 
and I'm so glad that you are too. And again, uh, thank you for this book. I'm anxious to get a hold of it. So uh, hopefully we can meet and talk some more. Empowerus.world. Uh, I, I look forward to that opportunity. Uh, like I said, I, I have been uh, inculcated for uh, 40 years of my life with Legacy International, which has devoted their, their purpose to uh, transforming uh, emerging leaders into uh, um, young people in their, in their lives that could change and sustain the world. But, you know, what I, what I really try to do, uh, Bob, with young people when I teach, when I taught at university, is, is, to, is to really not talk about words so much, but talk about actions. Um, they really value authenticity. Uh, they value genuine communication. And um, one of the, the first, in the first chapter of the book, uh, it, well, actually in the preface of the book, my kids took me to uh, see uh, Black Panther and uh, the movie. And then they took me to see Wonder Woman because they wanted to introduce me to the Justice League. And those superheroes are really important to young people. Uh, look at how much money they, that has been garnered by Disney and so forth and so on, and the Marvel people. But they have another message in there. There are subtle messages in there. And you have to speak to people in the language that they really understand. They understand superheroes. They understand that Wonder Woman, at the end of the movie, she discovered her power because she really submitted to love, which it wasn't just her skill set. And Black Panther, the same thing. He, he submitted to a whole different understanding about the power that, that they had and how they could use it to, to benefit society instead of greedily taking over the world. So we need to communicate with what's important to them. And, and we have to discount what, what the current leadership is doing because they're not leaders. They're really status quo. They're following money. They're following their old ways. And it's all based upon myths. You know, you can, one of the myths that we, we, we dealt with in, in the book, we listed 20 different myths. And one of them was, if you lie often enough, people believe you. And then it becomes acceptable. Or that, you know, businesses were created to, uh, to make money for their, for their stakeholders. That's what a lot of people believe. That's what people go into business for. Entrepreneurs go into business for it. Well, we've tried to create the thing called the Global Transformation Corps that say that that's not true. They shouldn't be going. They should be going into, into, into ventures which are going to change the world. It's going to make them profit, money for their people who invest in them, but it's also going to impact their communities and the world. It has to be mutual. It has to be another set of, of things we're speaking to. So, you know, one of the things we, we've done is understanding that the, the way when we look at values and we look at belief, it all translates into the way we look at something, our mindset. Or, you know, in, in an old world, we used to think about the mindset as being set, set mind. We have to have a flexible mindset or an adaptive mindset. We call it a catalytic mindset because I believe it has to go beyond the typical transformation. I have a little problem with the world of transformation. When I was at the University of Lynchburg, I set up with uh, the dean the Institute for Transformative Leadership. And we did some work for a year and a half to two years with for-profit and non-profit leaders. And then one day I uh, Googled the word transformative leadership. And I came up with the name Adolf Hitler, Vladimir Putin, and a lot of other people, which I didn't really think were, but they were, they were transformational. Putin is transforming the world, you know? Uh, she is transforming the world. So I had to really confront that. So we had to say, well, you know, and young people see the discrepancy between what leaders are, because they're not really leading the way they want to be leading. Because if you look at all the few polls, you know, 60 to 70 percent of the younger generation who are voting do not believe in being Democrat or Republican in the United States. They believe in being something else, something that's going to change and create a sustainable world. They will probably vote for the lesser of two evils in their mind, but they're not really passionately behind them. They're passionately behind transformation or change. So we have to talk to that, that core in them. That's what they value. And you have to speak authentically to that. So Absolutely. we can go on and, you know, but that's sort of where I really come from. It's about authentically to speaking to them about what they care about. They care about transformation and change and they want the tools. And the tools are embedded in emerging technologies. The tools are embedded in 
human-centered business practices, which are not the old business practices and the impact of it. And the tools are in, in, uh, involved in empowering their values, giving power to their values and let them translate those into enterprises and projects which will be fulfilling and change. That's what they want. So uh, thank you. Bob always has really good, um, really good stimulating questions. Thank you, Bob. Um, so Ira, we're down to the last three minutes here. I want to just as, as leaving, um, that's a great title. Um, talk about a couple of things in our three minutes. Um, how, why did you come up with that name empower us? You know, what was the, that thinking? And then, uh, what is a critical takeaway for the reader? Okay. Well, um, the title of the book was really a two to three year evolution. We had 15 different titles beginning the shad our broken world. How do we fix it? Um, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, how do we use values to change the world? Yet we came up with 15, 20, 30 different titles. And it finally evolved to, we realized that the book was not about us. It was not about me or what we wanted to do. It was about what we could do, because the world had changed in the in the three to four years we wrote to it because of the pandemic and because of all the other crises we were facing. The world was getting more interconnected, and we had to have a book which delivered a message of connectivity and interdependence and collaboration. So we looked at we looked at the thing that we wanted to to deal with, which were values, and we wanted to say how can we provide more value for values. And so we want to empower these values and empower us is empowering these values. And in doing that, we're going to move from where we are now, which is this new normal of, of total crisis to a new concept called strategic harmony, which is blending these ideas of values and purpose and intention with technologies and uh, human centered business practices to create a new harmony around the world. So that's where the, the root of the, the change in the, in the title came from. It was about trying to put power into each human being to be an agent of change and transformation. So as a result of that, we, we looked at the entire book, Bellamere and myself, and we said we wanted a statement which really encapsulated uh, who we were. I don't know if you could put that up on the screen, but I'll, I'll read it to everybody because I think it's a good closing. And, and um, and the importance of it is, is the call to action. Can you put it up on the screen? Um, the, where is that? It's called the Transformation Declaration of Sympathy. I, no, that's in my email. I didn't, I was working, so I don't have that. But if you could read it, I wanna, I wanna do, um, I wanna do a quick uh, sponsor moment and then let you use that for closing, if that's okay. No problem. That's a profound way to end. So our, our sponsor for today is the online community. Um, that we call the Community for Community Builders. If you go to nonprofitcommunity.org, you'll get this, and it's a special place where we talk about the things Ira is preaching about today. You're preaching, man. So we, we, we help you get traction with the ideas with each other. So it's a network of peers, it's experts, it's, it's the way you learn, grow, and share with one another. So Ira, Give us that um, declaration as a closing today and a call to action. Okay. So we called it the transformation declaration. The new normal has become politics without principle, business without morality, science without humanity, technology without ethics, and knowledge without character. We are surrounded with inequality and mistrust of our leaders and institutions. We've become tribal in our many battles for personal gain. Our governing values are compromised by money, corruption, and greed. If you're frustrated with the world as it is, we challenge you to see the world as it could be and join us to transform it. We propose strategic harmony, bridging the heart and the mind, values and emerging technologies to generate a sustainable future that serves all. We think us, where me replaces, where me is replaced by us where test values, trust, empathy, sustainability, and transparency are accountable and become the gold standard in our lives. Where love augments purpose, where purpose empowers our future. Where equity transcends just ideas and it lives in policy. Where technology accelerates planetary responsibility, driving sustainable impact. 
we think catalytic, where trust is the currency of transformation, where organizations thrive on happiness, authenticity, and innovation, where governance is built on humility and empathy, where economics reflects value for all stakeholders, and where catalyzers realize the new harmony. We call to action the rising voices, the next generation, women and the marginalized, and human-centered leaders to radically collaborate, to reinvent an, an inclusive and sustainable planet, and to become global catalyzers. We empower us on a journey to strategic harmony. Thank you. Ira, thank you for your wisdom today and sharing it with the Nonprofit Exchange Network. Thank you for being our guest today. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.